Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode. I do have kind of a multifaceted approach that I want to take today because over the next couple episodes, I really want to focus on us cultivating and emphasizing what we want our core values to be. So I had a friend reach out online the other day and he is in quite a bit of kind of distress right now and he's you know, somewhat of an existential, what is this all about? What should I be doing? Because things in his life aren't necessarily panning out the way he thinks they should be. And I said to him two things. I said, first, I want you to evaluate if your thoughts that nothing is working out for me right now is actually true. So I said, I want you to see if there are any exceptions running because your your brain and your emotions are saying, you know, basically everything's a dumpster fire right now. We want to challenge that because I don't think that's probably accurate. I said, but the second thing I want you to do is first get in contact with the book Man's Search for Meaning from Viktor Frankl. And second, I set him a core values clarification skill building activity where I want him to identify what skills he actually wants or what core values he wants to ascribe to. And this was really a foundational shift for me probably five or six months ago when I did a core values clarification. I came across three words from which, at least at this point in time, I want to live my life out of. So these are the reference points for how I engage decision-making. These are the reference points for how I intersect with other people in relationship. And my core values that I landed on now, people will land on all different types. And my rationale for my three are kind of, they're individualized, but I think in the next episode, I might give some more clarity on how I landed there. But the three that I decided on are honesty, patience, and generosity. And my history informs why those three are particularly important to me. And like I said, in a different episode, I will give some clarity there. But one of the things that I know to be true is using those as a framework over the last little while has really helped shape my behavior in ways that are congruent with what I want to be true about myself. So for example, I went out with a friend last week to lunch and the service was awful. It it was like we didn't have a waiter or a waitress. And so it was in general, just really kind of dismal representation of probably what most restaurants would want to be true. And when it came time to pay, a a little side of me was like, well, screw that. I'm going to make sure that she knows she was a terrible waitress. And then I reflected and said, but wait a second, one of your values is generosity right now. And another value of yours is patience. You withholding a tip or giving an abysmal tip to send an exacting blow does nothing to align with who you want to be. You want to be someone who is congruent and generous and patient. That's what you want to be true. So I left a more substantial tip than what I probably would have if I didn't have to self-correct there and kind of gently coach myself into doing better. And so I had a friend say to me, she said, well, why would you do that? She's just getting rewarded for bad behavior or, or being a bad a bad worker. And I said, here's the thing. I know what I want to be true about me. And I don't want to be the person going out there, quote, teaching other people lessons, quote, end quote, whatever one says there, about whether they did well or didn't do well. Now, yes, it is a tip contingent industry. I also want to live out the value of 
patience, so maybe something else was going on that she was really bad at her job that day, but also generosity. And if I'm going to withhold a tip, it's the opposite of who I want to be. And so these particular words that I've landed on are this framework that I run my decision-making through and decide how do I show up best as myself. Now, one of the reasons I'm kind of diving into this idea, and like I said, I'll develop why I landed on those words later on, but this came up in an interesting way this last week as I'm talking to a girlfriend, and she's in town right now, and I wanted to do something called break therapy. So other people refer to it as a rage room. So basically, you go into this confined space, and you take a bunch of glass bottles or electronics or kids' toys or whatever you want, basically, and you use hammer and mallets and cricket paddles and you just destroy stuff just for fun. And so uh, I did have someone reach out and say like, hey, what was your opinion of that? Well, number one, I don't have a lot of anger running, so I had just a ton of fun with it. There was a couple times where I would write a word on a bottle. So I would write like self-doubt or I would write someone who was very disrespectful towards me recently. I did write kind of that situation on the bottle and kind of hit it just to say like, I'm done with this. I'm not holding on to this. It's behind me. But in general, I didn't have a lot of anger running. And so I think if I did go to a rage room when I was enraged, I I could see how that might not be the best use of my energy. But again, I took boxing for, you know, six, seven months because I had a lot of anger running. So, so perhaps there's not much difference there. I enjoyed it as recreational fun. It was, it was a really good time. But what happened was my girlfriend had reached out to me and said, Hey, we have this span of time together. What do you want to do? And I said, I'd really like for us to go to a rage room and it's a touch expensive. It's like 25 minutes for $50. And then we ended up using extra bottles. So All in all, it was about a $75 experience for about 25 minutes. But when I extended that to her, I said, but here's the thing, I would really like you to let me pay for it. Now, it really wouldn't have mattered who was on the other side of that. I wanted to pay for it for several reasons. Number one, I want to live more generously. That's just what I want to be true. Number two, one of the quirks that I've had to work through in therapy is that I have this certain amount of money in my savings account. And if it looks like I might go under that number, I pull back and I don't do things in life that I should be doing or that I could be doing. So one of the things I've worked on with my therapist is to stop the rigidity of I need to have X, Y, and Z in my bank account. And to gift my friend this experience was challenging my own issue of being kind of hyper-focused on money and what's in my account. And so she was doing me a favor. If she allowed me to pay, she was doing me a favor of helping me live out my values or allowing me to live out my values and her being one of the people that benefited from it. And she was also allowing me to challenge some of the distortions that run for me. And she didn't know those things, but that's why I offered it to her. Now, the beautiful thing was she and I had a conversation where she said, Steph, I actually don't want to accept this because it is very difficult for me to receive generosity. However, I love you. I trust you. You love me. I assume that this is a very generous offer that you're saying because you want it to be true. You're not engaging in some sort of transactional situation here. She said, I'm going to practice receiving generosity here and being okay with it, even though I'm profoundly uncomfortable. Now, here's kind of the launching point for the episode today. What if she hadn't let me be generous towards her? Now, my rationale was to live out my values. My rationale was to do something that I would very much enjoy doing. It was an activity that I had been looking forward to, that I invited somebody in to it, but I benefited because it's something I really wanted to do. And it also helps me challenge some of the financial strictness that I tend to ascribe to. I was benefiting in exponential ways by offering to do this gesture. And had she refused, had she said, nope, I can't 
receive help. I can't receive generosity. She would have been pushing back against the very goals and values that I'm trying to live out. And I saw this happen too when I had people come and help me move into the condo. I very much wanted to just hire it done. That would have been more comfortable. That would have been easier for me. But I saved thousands of dollars and I let other people come up alongside of me and say, Steph, we love you. We want to live out our values of being helpful and being thoughtful. And so they came and helped me and me receiving it was also allowing them to practice skills that they want to be true. So when I go to a mechanic and ask them to fix my car, they're using their skill sets and they're becoming sharper in their areas because of the practice they're doing on my vehicle. When I go to therapy, I'm using my money and my resources to pay someone to pour into my life and to help me. When I buy training services, so when I go to my coach and say, hey, I have questions about X, Y, and Z, they are getting to help me by living out things that they're loving, things that they invest in, ways that they want to contribute to the world around them. I open myself up and receive that because their gifts and their talents help cultivate me, help sharpen my life too. When we refuse to accept help from people, not only are we exhibiting a closeness, which just is not great, we're going to disallow people from pouring into us using their talents, their gifts, and living out their values. When we don't receive help, when we don't receive other people's graciousness or generosity, we are disallowing people to get close to us, and maybe that's the very thing they're trying to work on. Now, there's a ton of reasons why people might not be able to receive help. Perhaps at one point in time, having all the answers was important in their life. Perhaps that's what kept them safe or kept them protected. They had the illusion of not having any vulnerabilities. Perhaps they were adultified in their youth. What that means is they were asked to live far more maturely than what would have been appropriate for a kid. And so they learned to shut down their needs because they didn't want to be inconvenient. They were too busy helping other people around them. Perhaps they learned that asking for help was transactional. And if someone was going to help them, they were certainly going to have to pay the price later on. Perhaps they were responsible for other people's deficits in really profound ways, and that caused them pain. And so they've promised to never cause other people pain by having deficits. A lot of that is convoluted thinking coming from very young problem-solving skills. So things that we learn early on in our life, we decide that they're true. But one thing I want to say, I see it show up in therapy again and again, the inability to ask for help, the inability to let people help. So literally pushing back against someone else's generosity or someone else's offer, it is a testament to being unwell. It is a testament to being closed off. It is a testament to living out conditional love or transactional love, and it's an issue. When people offer to help us, there is a very good chance that it is to their benefit as well. And they want you to receive their generosity because it does something for them too. You're not putting someone at a disadvantage to say thank you when they offer to help. You're not putting someone at a disadvantage when you receive their time, their energy, their resources, whatever it is. You're not exploiting them. You're not being lazy. You're not being underskilled or unprepared. You're receiving generosity. And what if you choosing to finally receive generosity means that someone else gets to practice something that they love? They get to love you up close. They get to contribute to your world. And what if that's the very thing they want? It feels like we've been sold the lie that it's better to give than to receive. But they both matter. If you want to give, go out and give. Please do. But please receive. 
You have to make space for that being part of your story. If you expect to live in relationship well, you have to let people pour into you. You have to let people love you up close. You have to let people show up for you. It's just how it works. When we resist help, there are fundamental issues at play, and it's something that you need to look into. Maybe you need a clinician to walk with you. I've said again and again, reach out. Give me a call. If that's something where you want to work with someone in this particular area, I've walked the walk. I know what it's like to grow that skill, starting small and working up incrementally towards receiving generosity. My friends, it is a sign of health if you can and give and receive. But receiving for some of us is very difficult, but it's an area where we can do some real growth work. And I encourage you to do it if you're not yet able to receive. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.